0: Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors, Clanmel. on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com.
1: John Lynch is with me in studio I better get your title right John yeah, call there.
0: me sir please <laughs> my learned friend my lord <laughs> my lear- you know, my learned- or as they often say when you're addressing somebody uh, who's more elevated like a judge you say with all due respect which is kind of a precursor to, <laughs> to, to, to I be don't disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah particularly anyway, where, where
1: the Irish are concerned whenever they preface something with with yeah. all due respect you yeah, know it's all going to be an insult
0: well I, I often think <laughs> I always, I often enjoy it when you're around in a social scenario and, you know, somebody says, and you say something, and say, now, with respect, and you go, right, okay, I know where we're going with this one. <laughs>
1: it's lovely, isn't it? But yeah. sure, it's a polite way of ha- having an argument with Absolutely. you, I suppose. Well, now, it is February, but there's still resolutions that we need to look at for the new year from a legal point of view. Well, you
0: know. my New Year's resolution was to finish the New Year's <laughs> resolutions before next year. So I'm just going to flick through them really, yes. really fast. And the resolutions that you make in the context of, for example, you know, family law, obviously, I'm not talking divorce, but I'm talking about things like regulating, uh, you know, if you're a father of a child and you're you're not a guardian, is to regulate that. Mm. And it's a relatively straightforward process. If you're living with somebody, you should consider a cohabitation agreement because there are so many difficulties that arise. At the At the breakup of a relationship or on the death of one of the parties in a cohabitation cohabitating relationship, yes. and again, this is something that you should be looking at and trying to deal with it and <clears throat> the other one, which is the old one that the, I was going to say the old the old one, as in the one we we commonly talk about, is that you should obviously regulate your position in the context of succession planning and wills and things like that, particularly when you're dealing with blended family because Mm. obviously there are so many different connotations that you have to look at and the other uh, one that always makes me smile is the prenuptial agreement because I always get this visual image of somebody going down on one knee and in the in one hand they have the ring and and the other <laughs> hand they have an, a document yes. that needs to be signed which is very unromantic but there you go but yeah again prenuptial agreements and prenuptial agreements uh, in a serious context often have to do with the difficulties that might arise in terms of you know somebody who's coming from a background which is a business background which is involved in family or with other uh, business partners. And that kind of leads you into the other scenario which is when you're dealing in business and the question of whether or not if you're a sole trader, should you incorporate? Should you go into a limited liability company? And if you should, when should you and why should you? And for what are the reasons and are they good enough reasons to do it? And then obviously the other one that comes up over and over and over again And uh, it's almost part and parcel of life almost is that you're going to have business disagreements you're going to have disagreements in relationships and business relationships are no different so in those circumstances you immediately start thinking of well what's the law going to do if we have a row Mm -hmm. and the answer to that of course is that if you don't have things like partnership agreements, if you don't have things like shareholders agreements if you don't have agreements around your contract with with the company you're going to be in a situation where it's, got, it's going to be more troublesome than not if you know what I mean. So in other words mm. better at least have sat down discussed it and committed it to an agreement than not because if you don't do that then it's a bit like as as a fella often says you know people are often, was it Einstein or whoever said you know that he, he's always amazed at people expecting different outcomes from uh, doing the same yeah, thing for the same thing. So yeah. the reality is, if you don't have an agreement, obviously you're going to ha- and you're going to have mm. a row. And if there's nothing to benchmark it, you're going to get into right.
1: litigation, or, or I suppose to be black and white. But it'll cost you. Uh, correct. I mean that's, that's and the thing, and, isn't and
0: it? that's a, yeah, and that's an interesting one because the irony is of it is down the years. I'm always amazed. Well, I'm not because I'm a bit like that myself, that uh, you're inclined to try and save money, uh, you know, when you're doing something. Mm. So, you know, if somebody comes into to me and they're making a will or, or they want to do an agreement or whatever, or, you know what I mean, we're really just inclined to spend money on trying to prevent it's a bit like, actually, the, the government and the way we deal with things. Mm. is the, It's much easier to spend money when there's an absolute crisis. So, you know, when we had the COVID crisis, suddenly we were spending money left, right and centre. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the issues that arose during COVID, I mean, you wouldn't have a chance of getting funds for, for some of those things. Whereas And it's the same thing with problems that arise from a legal point of view, people will go into huge costs to have a row mm. and get into litigation, get into court. Suddenly they're looking at a huge amount of money. Whereas if you said to them, well, actually, here's an agreement and it's going to cost you 3000 thousand." 4,000, 5,000, they go, Holy Mother God, how could it possibly cost that kind of money? And yet, if they have a disagreement and it gets into a row, you're talking 20, 30, 40 multiples of that. And it's the same, you know, and again, I always try and work it out in my head, and I know I'm as guilty as anybody of but, you know, it's like, you know, getting the fella in to do the job for you at home, and it's, and one fella comes in and says, well, it's going to cost you this, mm. and then the other fella says, and we go for the fella... That's less, and then we're wondering why. Why we have a mean. shoddy job, yeah. And yeah. I mean, and I'm not for one minute suggesting that anybody would be doing a shoddy job, mm. but you know what mm. I mean. And it's the same, you know, somebody comes into you, and they're, they're you say to them, Well, I think you should do a cohabitation agreement, I think you should do a will, and it, and it's going to cost you X. And they're going, Oh, uh, no, I don't think so, but but. Years later, it's going to cost them multiple. And the same with family law and the same with divorce and the amount of people that could have put all their kids through college for the amount of money they spent on a divorce. Do you know what I mean? Things like that. Of course, yeah. The prenuptial is
1: one that often interests me, though, because (laughs) my understanding was it's not worth the paper it's
0: written on. Ah, no, that's not true. Uh, Paper's always worth something. (laughs) Especially if it's signed by by an attorney. Particularly if I'm giving it to you. But, 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 I mean, is it? uh... No, the the law on it is uh, not legislated. In other words, there has been no clear-cut direction from the courts as to whether they will or won't take into account a prenup agreement and we know from international media coverage in other jurisdictions that it is taken into account but what we do know is that separation agreements have been looked at in the context of divorce and they've been looked at in a certain way the courts have viewed them in a certain way and the courts. In my view, and this obviously is my own, my personal interpretation of it, the courts, when they looked at an agreement by a couple that in the event of a breakdown of a marriage, they wanted things to be dealt with in a certain way, what the courts have said is, yes, we'll take it into account, but, but, and so always a but, it's with all due respect to the separation agreement or with all due respect to the prenup agreement, the courts will show a certain amount of respect to it, but not to the point where it doesn't... It isn't fair. So, if the courts consider the courts consider that they have a a mandate under the constitution to treat to to imply hmm. fairness to any breakup scenario. So, obviously, if you have a breakup scenario and you have a prenup agreement, and/or you separate and you had a separation agreement, the courts, in my view, will look at both and say, well, if they're fair we will take them into account, not necessarily make them, apply them literally as they were done, hmm. but we'll take them to, into account. So there, it's a bit like when they introduced, and again, this is probably an argument rather than a conclusion, if you know what I mean. But I remember when divorce first came into this country, I remember sitting and I was. I, I, it was a great bit of amusement when it was introduced amusement, not so amusing, depending on which side you were on, mm. but there was an argument that broke out at a conference that I was in between two different factions. I won't, you can guess which the factions were, but it was do, to do with the certainty of divorce. In other words, the big question was, were we introduced divorce in Ireland whereby the court would make a, a decision and that decision would be final? Because we in Ireland introduced judicial separation and divorce and one side of the room and I'd say side of the room but you know, I mean? mm, one side yeah. of the room says oh fantastic you can reopen it and the other side said oh my god are you kidding me i can you really re-? so there was a debate there for quite a number of years after the introduction of divorce on the question of whether or not could you make it final could there be could you literally put a line in the sand and say this is it and divorce is a final solution mm. to a breakup situation and what the courts did eventually say say was that despite the fact that there was uh, as there were circumstances under which you could revisit divorce, that this was the exception rather than the rule, and that it would have to be a very exceptional that you could reopen the issue of divorce. Right. So that kind and of... And the
1: exception would be what, if you had a huge windfall, if one person had a huge windfall they would Or
0: if somebody didn't represent the position correctly, correctly or if there okay. was a dramatic change in circumstances or whatever, so, yeah. you know, but... Very, very exceptional because, um, and again, it came very much to the fore when the Celtic Tiger went out the door because nice, obviously yeah. you had really substantial divorces and then suddenly the whole landscape changed so that that came into the picture right so is there, is there anything
1: to to lead you to believe that we might look at some legislation for prenup agreements is, there, is that
0: I think there may come a point where there'll be a constitutional um, kind of case that will raise the issue as yeah. to whether or not there's any validity in it or not and I wouldn't be at all surprised if that were to happen now it hasn't happened funnily enough and for whatever reason i don't know but i mean we've We've done prenup agreements, and they have stood up, and they've been. And again, I suppose, like everything else, Fran, it really comes down to yeah. how fair it is. And not telling tales of the school, but do you have a, a good number of people coming into you we to set up well, prenup yeah, agreements? We've done Would you? Pre- yeah, not a good number, no. I wouldn't say a good number. Yeah. We're still ro- living a very romantic Ireland, but yeah, no. And I don't mean to be flippant, but no, not a substantial number of people doing it. Right. But it is, and primarily people that are trying to protect situations right. uh, situation. Farms, I guess, yeah, will come to exa- that, would it? businesses, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or family businesses where you're trying to protect the situation. I mean, again, it's one of the unfortunate things with the introduction of the divorce is that it it can drive a horse and car through, you know, all sorts of succession planning because mm. the. Horse and cart mightn't be a very good analogy, but you know what I mean? But yeah, I have this picture of a horse and cart with a judge sitting on it, (laughs) driving straight through. But I mean, the reality... Your imagination is really (laughs) uh, remarkable. It's taken off. But the situation you see is that uh, the court has a discretion in particularly in divorce, and it is a very substantial discretion to look at everything, and that's where the issues often come in. You know, mm. what anyway. else? What else do we need to okay? So, mind? what else are you looking at? So, you're looking at we talked mm. about succession planning, we saw, talked about limited company shareholders agreements, and then when you're looking at property transactions, you know, because we're hopefully we're we're and there is there has been a change in the last two years in terms of there's a lot more. Uh, property transactions been undertaken. But So when you're looking at property, you're looking at, and the one, again, it's an add-on and an extra cost when you're looking at a, a situation where you're buying property with somebody else. So you're looking at co-ownership agreements. Again, an extra, it's an add-on, but it's an add-on protection because you'd, you wouldn't be surprised if I told you that quite a number of people who buy property together for one reason or another, suddenly there's a falling out. Mm, mm. And when there's a falling out, if there's no agreement as to how that falling out might be addressed, then you've got a problem. And likewise, you're not going to be surprised if I tell you that people will often buy property together, involved in, in a kind of a collective investment type scenario where again they fall out and or one of them uh, passes on and there's no agreement on how that might be dealt with. So again it's it's that step beyond just simply saying okay let's just, we'll buy this property together. It's yes if we do buy it how are we going to manage it? How are we going to deal with the various issues that might arise? So that's a co-ownership agreement. Mm. Now the other thing of course is that And again, funny, I must be on a particular chain of thought this morning, but the other one that you're on, and I only had a conversation about it last week, was that if you're selling property, or if you're thinking of selling your house or you're thinking of selling something, you really should, before you put it on the market, have a stress test. And what I mean by that is you should check to make sure the title is okay, the planning is okay, you know, that everything is okay with it. And the problem, of course, with the, with that is that we're all in the situation where we don't want to spend money mm. unless we have to. Mm. But the problem is that if you're selling property in a market that isn't on the up in terms of a whole load of people out there to buy, people are going to... There are going to be issues with the property. So you're trying to preempt any issues that might be with the property. And that requires you to do it in advance. Yes.
1: And it's worth looking at because we had an issue with this. We had no idea about that our map for our site in our home was completely wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, it not, was imposed in on yeah. other people's sites and Correct, stuff. correct. So it's not uncommon it. at all, at all, at all. And and again, these you know it's not necessarily anybody's fault; these things happen, mm. and they only come to light in certain circumstances. But the other thing is the planning one you know, like you've got a situation where you thought you had the planning you thought the planning was right till you checked and found that in fact it wasn't right, or that something was built and it didn't have permission and you have to apply for retention and you see and the other thing is they've changed the whole sorry they change the way I used to always um I was going to say argue, but the way I used to always suggest to people would be because I would not ever argue with the client, not but, at all, you know. But I would have said to somebody, you know, you take it all out, put it all together, give it to the other solicitor, and then if everything a okay, then you've got a contract signed within a relatively short period of time. And then the law society must have been listening to me, and they changed the way of doing convincing now to the extent that you must now produce everything in the one go, to the purchase the solicitor, and that's supposed to shorten everything. However, there's a big time lag then, you see, in putting together all the stuff. So you've got the auctioneer who goes off, does a good job, sells your property for you, then sends a sales advice note to the solicitor saying, OK, property sold, price agreed, blah, 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 issue a contract, please. You can't. You're looking for the title documents. It takes you two months to get the title documents. You 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 then have a look and the and go through everything. Look at the documents. There's something missing, or you go through some and the planning isn't right right. And suddenly, suddenly, a transaction that should take a relatively short period of time is going on for months mm. and months and months. Mm. And it's it's a real problem. it might fall apart. Completely. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and if it's if it's a if it's a difficult market. You know, you're in serious trouble with that. So, so, but again, it's probably uh, you know I must, as I said, I must uh, uh, running on the same theme here. It's that if to do something like that, you've got to actually go into your sister and say, look, can we do this in advance? And uh, you know, I know it's going to cost to do it, but can we do it in advance? Get it done, have it ready to go, and then I can issue a contract, and then you can say, well, look, everything is a okay. Can we get this sorted out? And then I suppose to a certain extent that that should, that would be my mantra certainly if mm. I was thinking of selling property. And the other one, uh, the old classic one that causes trouble all the time is the old rights away one mm. and access one. I mean it is just so problematic and it is just something that you have to just check and get it right in advance. And you know, it's if ever they're go- ever going to do a field, redo the uh, play on the field, I think they should do it on rights away. Because do you think I think, so, it, yeah. I think it is mm. probably the most contentious uh, area. And in, it is the balancing. main
1: problem with it, Asher? Ah, sure, we always did that, and we always went through that field, and we yeah. always went up that path. Is, that, is that it? This and assumption, then the then? Fellow up,
0: and then the fellow up along the path going, well. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think he ever went up that path. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's really, it's, you know, it's problematic. But, and, you know, the history of, it just, it is, and it's so hard to sort it out. Because you see, unfortunately, if you lie, like they introduced this lovely little, simple, straightforward way of dealing with rights away under the convincing the new act, Uh, not new now, 2009, but they introduced this lovely little way and they were going to say, well, here we are, here's a fast registration procedure here. So you come to me and you say, you don't come to me, you send off papers to the Land Registry, you show your little map, show you it right away, and then I get notification, I go, no, I don't agree. And the Land Registry says, well, we're not here to adjudicate on this, so sorry, no register right away. So from a position of what used to be the practice that... You would give me a declaration saying that you'd used it, and that would be everybody be happy with that, Mm. and you wouldn't have to be having the row to register it. You then introduced a registration system that created the row, so it turned into a a mighty mess. And unfortunately, then of course, what happened? The when it came to the deadline date there last year, the uh, minister for whoever we won't say said. Okay, well, let's kick this bucket down the road. So the bucket's Which still been kicked down the road. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, it's been still, so that's a problem. So if you're if you're on good terms with a neighbor and you have a right of way and they have no issue with it. Uh, you just get him to consent right. to register it and that's the end And of that's it.
1: what I was going to ask you. He has to sign yeah, a, yeah, a consent yeah, to yeah, that. but
0: okay. that's the easiest way. Just get a consent to register it, and then that's the end of it, if you know what I mean. But he, you'd be amazed at the amount of, right. yeah, amount oh, yeah. of trouble you've
1: well, well, you've been talking about it for quite a number of years on yeah, the programme, yeah, so it certainly yeah. is I'm an issue.
0: Just <laughs> tired of talking about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anything else there, John, that we no, need to. Uh, I
0: mean, I'm just looking at the various things. I mean, the other one, the other one that's going to be really. Very much in the fore. I'm hoping. I keep waiting for it to be. And I checked it again this morning. Is the whole uh, co-decision making agreements and yes. things like that. Mm. And like there, are, I mean, just in a nutshell, it's kind of a step one, step two, step three. Step one is the is what they call. Uh, a co-decision-making agreement in that you appoint somebody to make the decision with you when you think that you might need help to do it. Then there's a decision-making agreement where somebody actually makes the decision with you, mm-hmm. which is the next step. And then the third one is that there's nobody there to do it and you make an application to the court to appoint a decision-making representative. And there, there's a there's a suite as I call it now, of things available for succession planning. There's your will, which we've talked about. There's your enduring power of attorney if you lose capacity. There's your decision-making agreement if you need a little bit of help. There's your tax planning. And then there you know there's your succession planning, your tax planning side of it. And then the final one is the, um, I always have to look at this, the... Healthcare Directive, Advanced Healthcare Directive, which is the final kind of part of the suite that you should put into place. And I'm just waiting for them to finish this thing Mm. and get it done because. It's been supposed to be done for the last five years. They're saying this is the year for it, and I'll have a full suite then. As a lawyer, I'll have a full suite of things for people to deal with. Because as I've told you, that's what I'm. That's where I'm now at. After forty years in practice, I'm at the. Succession end of, very good, of, yeah. of the yeah. thing. And as soon as they get that out of the way, I'll be saying, no more studying for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy. That's it. That's <laughs> it.
1: John, it's always a pleasure. Thanks yeah. very much Thanks, indeed. Fran. John Lynch, much. Lynch from Lynch Solicitors in uh, Clonmel. Back in a moment.